Welcome to the Clay Young Show. Well, if you caught last week's edition of the Clay Young Show here on podcast225.com, I know you were entertained. I'm still hearing from people who listened to the show with Richard Condon. I told you, Condon is one of a kind. Oh, my goodness. I still can't believe that story about Diana Ross. And then the thing about the D batteries. I mean, what, what is that? Anyway, folks, welcome to another edition of the Clay Young Show here on Podcast225.com and on iTunes. You know it's free there, right? It's free on the website. It's free on iTunes. That's a pretty good deal. You can take advantage of that. I think it's entertaining, like last week, super entertaining, also informative. And that leads me to a little bit of what we're going to be talking about today. Lionel Rainey, who was on the show a couple of weeks back, he is the spokesperson for the St. George movement in the Capital City area in Louisiana. And they've run into a little bit of an issue here recently. Apparently, at least six names have been found to have been forged onto the petition that was turned in by the organizers of what would become the city of St. George inside of East Baton Rouge Parish. There is also some question about how much money is really going to be in the budget. How much money will the new city have? Will taxes be raised? I got that a lot from the last show. People wanted to hear Lionel talk a lot more about that. So we're hoping to get him, not hoping, we're going to ask him about it today and get his thoughts on it, because I think it's important for him to lay that out. We are also working on a debate. Now get this. In the Capital City area, a member of the Metro Council has been very outspoken about St. George, going so far as to call them the Taliban. You heard that in the show with Lionel Rainey. Well, his name is John Delgado. He's very passionate, and he, he says what he thinks, right? So Rainey and Delgado are going to have a debate right here on the podcast. We're working out the particulars of that as we speak. It could happen as soon as next week, maybe the week after, just trying to work everything out schedule-wise to get them in to debate. And it'll be no holds barred. And uh, my whole thing is if anybody throws a punch, I don't mind. Just don't mess up anything in, in, you know, in my place. Don't turn anything over. Otherwise, uh, beat the hell out of one another. It's, it's fine. No, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen. It might. It might. But I don't think it will. But it might. And so that's coming up uh, really soon. Hopefully, like I said, next week, we're working through the particulars with both gentlemen now to get their schedules where they can be in the same place at the same time. You know, the other thing about that is the district attorney in East Baton Rouge Parish is also investigating the organizers over these forgeries or these alleged forged signatures. And uh, we'll ask Lionel about that as well. It's just a lot going on with that movement, the city of St. George. And I can't wait to talk with Lionel about it. As we do every week, we mention Warriors for Freedom and the Remember the 22 campaign. Going to keep talking about it. I appreciate the feedback I personally get from many of you about Warriors for Freedom. Warriors weekend is coming at the end of May, and that is getting closer by the moment and uh, there's more details about that to come that Saturday morning I think it's the 30th we're going to be doing a 5k walk slash run in downtown Baton Rouge and on the 31st smoke them if you got them an event at Ben 77 in Perkins Row in Baton Rouge and then a golf tournament on Monday in the University Club U Club in Baton Rouge and we'll get cop- uh, Captain William Conger on Probably next week to talk about Warriors Weekend 
And to give you a little backstory on what Warriors for Freedom is, why the organization is so important to our military members. And again, we lose 22 service members a day to suicide. We can do better than that. And we're trying. We're not just talking about it. We're actually trying to be part of the solution. And you can, too. You can follow me on Twitter at uh, Clay Young BR, at Clay Young BR, or, of course, on Facebook to ask any questions about the show, to make comments there. We're going to set up an email account here on the website as well so that you can send your questions to podcast225.com about shows or if you just want to ask me about something going forward. All right, up next, Lionel Rainey with the City of St. George should be an interesting conversation. I'm expecting it to be intense. We'll talk with Rainey next here on The Clay Young Show and podcast 225.com and on iTunes. It's Clay Young and John Fabry here for Infinity of Baton Rouge and Infinity of Lafayette. You know, John, we talked about leasing a couple of weeks ago. I want to talk more about that. The, the advantages of leasing as opposed to buying. Well, there, there are many. Uh, first, you need to decide whether you're the right candidate for leasing. Okay. And if you're a person that trades their car every three years or sooner, that's really the, the main criteria. But there's so many advantages to leasing over purchasing. It's, it's a short commitment that I think mm-hmm. it's uh, less exposure. You have less money invested. Right. I mean, let's face it. A car is a depreciating asset. That's right. So with leasing, you're just paying for the depreciation. Uh, rates are low right now. There's also a tax advantages. You don't pay as much sales tax on a leased car as mm. you do a purchased car. So there's just a host of differences between leasing and buying. You just need to come check us out. That's infinity of Baton Rouge and infinity of Lafayette. Welcome back to The Clay Young Show. Our guest in the hot seat is Lionel Rainey, who is the spokesperson for the City of St. George movement in the Capital City area. So, Lionel, y'all have been in the news a little bit lately, man. Yeah, and thanks for having me back on. I'm you gonna, got I'm, I'm going to do my very best not to cry this Re- time. Really? Yeah, so I'm going to try hard. Did you catch any grief for crying the last time? I, I did, and I got my doctor to write a, an excuse to my friends true right. story uh because i had the flu i don't know and i told you that when i came in what a I was, load I was of garbage really this is See, come on man you cry thinking about your kid that's not a bad thing now, if you had cried because i ate your last frito maybe, <laughs> maybe come on man uh but no that was very passionate in fact a friend of mine told me that as a father he's a father he said as a father that that was the most touching thing to him that you know you said you want your children to be proud of you right so let's see if you can make them proud today Let's go. All right. First up, six names on the petition Mm -hmm. that uh, have been reported to have been forgeries. Now, Mm -hmm. you had over 17,000 signatures. Over 18,000. Over 18,000 signatures and six of them. So is that the end of it? We believe so. So, And and here's what is important to know. The the reason that it took so long to to validate the petition is that, and this is the reason that this is in statute, Mm -hmm. the registrar of voters has several different versions of your signature. Every time you go in and you and you vote and you sign the piece of paper, they sure. have that. Yeah. And so part of the process, which is written in law and written in statute when you do a petition, is that they look at every single signature, first to make sure that you're a, resi- a registered voter within the proposed area. Secondly, they look at it to see to make sure that the signature matches. Okay. So they go, th- and that's the reason they're there is to is to catch things like this because when you have 
dozens, if not hundreds, of volunteers, and mm -hmm. you have static locations where the petitions are, yeah. and and you know you cannot control that. And then in addition to that, the the volunteers in, in, involved with St. George did their best with the information they have. They don't have people's signatures. So they yeah. have nothing that they can match it against. What they did was they took a look at every one of the petition sheets that came in, and if anything looked off color or didn't look right, they scratched it out to them, to the best of their knowledge, which which in which is ended up causing good signatures sure. not to make it to. And we're finding that a lot of people have said, look, we signed the petition and our, our, our name's not on there. And very well, something could have looked off to us and we turned it into the registrar, a, a registrar of voters. And then when they got it, they went through and they did find six of the names uh, which they determined to be forgeries. And so they never made it through. They didn't, right. they didn't make it through the process right. and, and get on. And it's unfortunate. It's something that we've publicly apologized sure. for. Apologize specifically to the individual who yeah. who has made the official complaint to yes. the uh, so you spoke to the, to the attorney. I, I spoke to him several times. Okay, so let's let's deal with the tough questions here. Do you believe that someone on your team was forging signatures? I mean, that doesn't doesn't even not only no, but that doesn't make sense when you look at the fact that we went through it and anything that looked off, we we drew a black line through the signature. You can take a look and you can call the registrar of voters. You can call our opposition. Mm -hmm. Call Rebecca Allen, the advocate. She said they did a public information request. You can see that we did the best that we could sure. on the front end to make sure that nothing inadequate or inaccurate got through. How could this happen? How could it not happen when you have dozens, if not hundreds, of people? We're out talking about a forgery, though. Well, then how could it happen? Somebody could sign somebody's name in. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's how it happens. And, and six of the 18,300 plus uh, turned out to be uh, that those individuals had not signed it and they didn't make it through. It didn't get through the process. And, and I think if I can quote Elaine Lamb, you know, she was shocked at how good the petition was. Yeah. And, and Elaine Lamb is the registrar of voters. She's the registrar of voters. That's yeah. correct. So only six out of 18,000. It is a relatively small number. Does it cast dispersions on the credibility of the entire process? Of course it doesn't. And, mm -hmm. it, and that, but that depends on where you're coming from. If you don't like the idea of St. George and a new city and, you don't, and you, you know, you're happy with the way things are, to you, you're never going to like it. And, and it, it's just another piece uh, of ammunition that you'll use against it. If you're in favor of it, you know that it is you know, less than one one-hundredth of one percent of the signature. Yeah. It's something that never even got through, and the process worked, the system worked, the way that it's set up. I mean, it's set up to make sure things like this don't happen, and it didn't happen. And so, of course, you know, you, 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 12 of the 130-some-odd names that were removed, sent in to be removed from the petition, never signed the petition. So you've got 12 names out of 135. So, so let's uh, make people understand there were people who wanted to have their name removed right. the from the, the petition. The opposition mailed. And you're saying, but they had never signed it. Twelve of those 135 never even signed the petition. Well, why would they think their name was on it? I have no idea. It was, it, it, But that happens when you do something. of that. You know, what they did was they mailed it out to everybody. And I'm not accusing mm -hmm. them of any wrongdoing. But, I'm tell, but what I'm saying is when you who have... Who is they? Uh, Better Together or yeah. Together Baton Rouge. A wing of Together Baton Rouge, right. yes. Um, so they mailed out everybody who signed the petition, you know, uh, these erroneous claims, your taxes are going to go up and it's going to be the end of the world. Sign this to remove your name. Twelve of the people uh, who they have turned in never actually signed 
okay. the petition. We're never on it. So you know, things happen. You can't you can't control every single variable when when you have so many different variables coming in, and yeah. you have so many people circulating petitions, and you have petitions at static locations, and you have volunteers and friends of volunteers, and we mailed out petitions to people and saying, hey, sign this and mail it back in to us. And we did the best that we could to make sure that everything was above board. And of course, it doesn't shine a, a, a negative light on this. I think it's just something that happens and something that we that you do your best to make sure that it doesn't happen. But you know, nobody's perfect, and yeah. and you know, you're dealing with human error here. And you know, you have a couple people that may have signed somebody's name. Apparently, they did. They haven't been convicted of it. But yet. here's the thing: so six out of eighteen thousand. Like you said, it's a small number. It's clickbait. That's what it is. It's it's media-driven clickbait. It is, is, but it does make you wonder, are there more? Now, this is not from people who are just... I've I've had conversations with people who are both, I mean, terribly against it, and then people who want to see what happens. And on both sides, they just wonder, well, is six the only number? Well, I mean, talk to the registrar of voters. They matched every single signature against the signature that they had on file. And those are the ones that came back as bad. And you also have to take into account, I don't know what's real and what's not real. Over almost a year ago when we started this, I did an interview with somebody and I said, look, here's a possibility and something that is not necessarily, uh, I won't say that it's not a bad idea, but it, it could be construed as a smart idea. The opposition, have somebody sign the petition and then say, I didn't sign that. And what's to prevent that? What's to? You to, don't believe that happened, do you? Well, is it not a, a legitimate possibility? Can you say that there's well, no way that, a that possibility, happened? But do well, you believe it happened? Don't BS me now. Give me a straight answer. Do you believe, I believe it happened? It, or I not? believe it very well could have happened. I'm not saying it's not an answer. Well, I'm not saying that any that that one of these people didn't. And I, I certainly believe the individual. Do you believe I certainly they did. believe the individual yes. who's pressed charges did yes. that. But I'll tell you that it's not outside the realm of possibility, and it's something that we brought up a year ago. But it's only potential. speculation. You speculate that that could happen. You that's, don't I happen. Did, you I don't know. I didn't it. say that it happened. No, I, that, I that's where I'm going. You, you don't know that this happened. You're no, saying, but, yeah. it's, but it has to be something that you think about. So what is about what about the divide between the folks at Better Together and you and the people who are you know behind the move to create St. George? Have you? When, when, do you guys only talk at debates or forums? Well, they very rarely will debate us. You know, we, we've been at several different opportunities to do a public debate. And you don't and, run and they, from debates. Quite frankly, I said in the open of the show that we're working on a debate between you and John Delgado, which oh, is going to be great. I, I can't. I can't wait. <laughs> um, you, you know, it's a simple distinction, Clay, between us and the opposition. Our goal is to put this on a ballot. And let the people decide. Simple. Their simple goal is to prevent this from getting to a ballot and to prevent people from being able to decide. That's their mission right now is to remove names from a petition that would go to the people. And so there's your simple answer. Uh, The district attorney is going to be investigating this. And I know mm-hmm. that when people read that headline, it sometimes read, uh, reads ominous. You but think that's, they, that's, showed, they showed a picture of 18,000 signatures and says St. George forgeries. District attorney investigating. I mean, what do you think? I mean, that if that's not but that's click- how the cookies are baked. Though. Well, it is, you but it's that. clickbait, and people need to understand yeah. that this is a you know the if this is as much media driven a, a, as anything else. So, 
clickbait. We better tell people what clickbait is. Not everybody is as savvy. So, go ahead. No, go ahead. Click. Basically, it's a headline or something online that gets you to click onto it to see what it is. And it happens a whole lot more. In fact, there are companies in public relations and marketing that will put a salacious headline on a nothing story, hoping you'll click. And you could either be clicking through there to get to a site or clicking through to get to some ad. And there may not be a story there at all. Right. And they, they, that's how their revenue is generated yeah. it is by the amount of clicks. That's how they can determine how much money they can charge an advertiser to be on their and site. You're accusing the advocate of clickbait. Well, you tell me when you see a picture of 18,000 signatures and the headline reads district attorney investigating St. George forgeries and it doesn't say six uh, petitions uh, were forged that never made it on to the never made it through the process. Are you going to click that? No, you're not going to click it. It look in any headline. They're all sensationalized and that I get it. That's part of it. And it is what it is, but it, it doesn't make it right. Has District Attorney Moore contacted you? We reached out to District Attorney Moore before any of this happened, okay. over about a week and a half ago. Uh, when we found, whenever we found out about this, roughly two weeks ago, um, we started calling law enforcement sure. agencies to be proactive in this. Uh, it's not something we put out, and it's not something that we told people. Hey, we're we're, we're calling uh, the the law enforcement agencies to make sure this happens. But we started calling them, and when nobody was really sure, sure to begin with, who could who who jurisdiction this was under? Was it elections? Was it not elections? Was it city police, sheriff, district attorney, attorney general, secretary of state? And after three or four days of talking to multiple agencies, I said, "Look, it looks like it's going to be the uh, the district attorney." And so we proactively contacted uh, Hiller Moore and said, "Here's all the information that yeah. we have." Uh, uh, about the individuals who've been accused of this and we will we will work with you moving forward in whatever way that you want and we will we'll continue to work with law well listen i would imagine based upon what you said a few minutes ago this something like this happens if you're skeptical that anybody on your team did it at all anyway i would want the da to go in with both feet we do. and let's find out who did it absolutely so what we turned over the information that we have on the people that witnessed those signatures sure and and we will help them whatever way possible just like we said in our initial uh, comment this is not something we condone sure it's not indicative of the movement sure. it's not indicative of the people who are involved in this movement in any way shape or form and we will do whatever we can to assist law enforcement in punishing these people in whatever way is applicable how many volunteers did you have oh man so many and that's ballpark uh total from start to finish 50, maybe okay. 60. And then so, you probably got a core group of, but it was only 50 people gra get grabbing the, the signatures. Oh no. I'm that, that's about what volunteers. I mean. No, oh, I mean the people who are conducting un, un, the un, untold number of people who have been who more have, than a, more than 500, more than a hundred, more than I mean, 200. I, know, I would say probably somewhere between a hundred and 500 people okay. who at some point in time have, have got a petition and gotten somebody to Do sign you know it. who they are? Do you have the names of the people who represented you out there trying to get names? Yeah, so it's two individuals, and and that can say every piece of information that we have on those people has been turned over to the district attorney's office. Well, you mean you said two people, right? But you just said between a hundred and five hundred people were getting signatures. I thought you were asking regarding the two people who were who were accused. Of oh no, 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 no. I mean, um, how many people did you have out gathering uh, signatures around the area? I mean, we've got a core. We've got a core group of twenty-five to thirty. We've probably, okay. you know, but you've okay. got over the from start to finish, you could have anywhere between a hundred to five hundred people who've had a petition in their hand and are getting their neighbor to sign it or okay. getting a friend to sign it. I mean, there, you know, un numerous 
lots of people who could have you been do, out. are you able to contact any of them like do you know again do you know who was representing you on the streets trying to get signatures i mean we have i don't know every single person that's had a, a petition out okay uh, getting people to sign it um they have to print their name yeah. by the witness, and it has to be legible. Okay. And if it's not legible, then the uh, so that's the way you can keep track of it because you know that we know the, every person that witnesses. The, a signature. Okay, there you go. That's that's what I was looking for. Okay, all right. Uh, let's get to a couple of other things. I do want to come back to the money, but there's been some recent news here in uh, East Baton Rouge Parish. For those of you listening in other places, the East Baton Rouge Parish school system now has a new school. A superintendent. He's kind of the superintendent elect, I guess you can almost say, right. because Bernard Taylor, who's here now, is here through the end of June, I believe. I think that's right. But uh, Warren Drake, who used to be the helmsman for the Zachary uh, school system, is going to be taking over. What's your impression of Warren Drake? I think, he, I think it's an outstanding choice, and I think it's somebody that we'll be able to work with. Uh, as a having a sister school district right beside it, um, it's somebody that we can communicate with, and somebody that we can talk with. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got plans to to allow people if, if they want to continue their education, if they're currently on the in the magnet path, and they want to continue that that path to go to uh, Baton Rouge High, they can continue that path. Even um, if there's a city of Saint George, even if there's a city, you've of got George, legal statute that says that's fine. We do. And but it's uh, it's also up to the uh, to the other school district. And okay. so it, before now, that's something that that they wouldn't even entertain. But now we be, it. Here's what we, I think about Drake. We can now sit down at the table and be able to work together. And because you're going to have two school systems right beside each other. And it's somebody who we can who we can communicate with and work with. And I think Warren Drake will will be good for East Baton Rouge Perry schools. But you've got to do some major retooling within that central office to, to really make a difference. I don't think I've ever asked you this, but what what is your impression of Bernard Taylor? I don't think we've ever talked about this. When we spoke before, we didn't get to him, the outgoing school superintendent. Working relationship, interaction, and this is a podcast, so, you know. I don't know if you could have had a worse superintendent uh, and why do you say that? Why wouldn't I say it? Look at what's happened under his tenure. I mean, it's been nothing but divide. The school systems, which were already at the bottom, cont- have continued to go down. He, he, you know, the un- the, uh, there was an Oscar-winning reporting job done by Kieran, I uh, believe. Kieran you know, Chala, WAFB TV. Schools here. of Fear. Yeah. I mean, his. I think his, she won an Emmy. Emmy. For I'm that. sorry, yeah, yeah, not an Oscar. Yeah, she, won Emmy. she did win an Emmy. She'd take for an that, Oscar if you gave it to her. Probably. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, he he was a divider. I, I don't see any point to one thing that he did that was that moved that system forward. There are people who say that the principals' academy was a good thing. Uh, go. To, I mean, have you ever been to the principals' academy? Uh no. Okay, you should go take a look at it before even. Just go take a look at the principals' okay. academy. All right. Well, I don't. I, don't th- I think he was a very poor. Superintendent. What's funny is, you know, but when we first got, when we first started this, he was just coming in. Yeah. And people said, you know, well, just give us another chance. We've got another superintendent. And one of the first days at the legislature, I don't remember who it was, said, well, what happens if he doesn't work out? You know, how many times do you, do you want to say, give us more time, give us more money? They already spend more money than any other school district in the state of Louisiana by a good margin. Uh, you know, they spend over twelve thousand dollars 
per child per year in these Baton Rouge Perry school system. Revenue's not their problem. I was just around uh, over 11, but... Uh, no, when you look at the MFP and local yeah. funding and federal funding, it's over twelve thousand. Well, it's almost a half billion dollar operating budget, and so you go from someone that, to quote you, is the worst possible school superintendent to Warren Drake, who is—I mean, he got a nine-zero vote. He's I don't know great. the last time that the school super the school board voted unanimously on anything, but they got a, a unanimous vote of support in favor of this guy. So that leads me to this. The biggest argument made by parents and stakeholders and people who are in what would be the city of St. George is they don't like the direction of the school system. And this all started because people wanted a school district that was more reflective of what their principles and beliefs are. Here comes this new school superintendent. He comes in with fanfare. He is roundly respected. Does that hurt your cause by people saying, you know, I I still think we ought to have a a good school system, but maybe we should wait and see what this guy can do and save the money that it would cost to launch a new city. Would you put your children in these Baton Rouge Parish public school system, not the magnet program and not the gifted and talent program? You know, would you let them go uh, through the school system the way it is now, even though Warren Drake has come on board? But how long do you give him? If he com- if he comes in there again, if he comes in there, he's already the feedback has been popular. He's great. He's, gr- he's great. He's great, but listen, he's not going to replace but, the entire board. But Bernard but no, he's, Taylor, he's just, not going to. He's not going to. Bernard re- Taylor just put hundred and forty yeah, people yeah, into permanent yeah. positions. Oh, that was that was that was petty at best, because he knows he's on the way out. That should have been a decision that was uh, made by the person coming in. But I want to go back to what I'm saying. I, I, I'd like an answer. Do you think it will affect you? And if you don't, you may not think it'll have an Do impact at all. Do I think it all. will affect us? No, not in, not in any shape. So not in any shape. You don't no. think it'll cause some people to have hesitation? No, of course it won't. Okay. Why, I mean, there's, why would it? We're, we want to try something different. Mm-hmm. We want to try what his, what, how many superintendents have we gone through, Clay? And how long is he going to be there? And then what happens when he leaves? The model of, of education in East Baton Rouge Parish is broken. Why is it broken? Because there are too many, simply put, that it's turned into a hiring agency and not an education uh, facility. It's not about educating children. But that, that's at the bureaucratic level. Let's talk about... Where, where do you think the money But go, hang on. Go, Let's talk about it. what's happening in the classroom, because I hear that a lot. It's broken. What isn't happening in the classroom well, first that and, should first be happening? First and foremost, there's... there's there's no account. Let me give you. I'll give you a uh, an example. So, the behavior of a child, um, if they if they act out mm-hmm. and they they have to be written up, that goes against the school towards their overall letter grade. Plays a role, yeah. right? So what they've done is eliminate virtually all of those write ups for children and and try to handle it in house. I got an email from a teacher. Um, this is probably, I don't know, maybe five or six months ago. And this happens on a daily basis. Okay. A middle school student um, stood up in her classroom, threw his chair, cursed the teacher out, and not damn, mm-hmm. really cursed the teacher out. Mm-hmm. Uh, then pulled down his pants and told the teacher what she should do with his private part. You would think, wow, okay, that student's gone. 
you may not ever come back. Right. He was put in a timeout room where he had to think about what he'd done and then was brought back into the class. So what I'm telling you is there is no control. That's why you had over... And you think they're cooking the books. Okay, I think they're cooking the books. What do you think? The, the Sheriff's Department you know, responded to nearly 600 calls saying that their resource officer was overrun, not in the whole school district, yeah. in the 10 schools that are in St. George. Yeah. Clay, there's only one high school. Yeah. D- does that happen at the private schools? Does that happen at Baton Rouge High? No, it doesn't. And this, the reason is, why do you think there are as many? Go on YouTube. I mean, we spent a day uh, searching through YouTube, and we found hundreds of videoed fights. Uh, what in that? What is up? Because with that? they don't. There, there's no punishment. I'm not gonna say there's no punishment, but they know that when they write a child up, and they hold that child accountable, it counts against them. Mm-hmm. The principals don't have any. And people say, "What are you gonna do different?" Here's one thing we can do different: we can give the principals some power. We can let them be accountable for their schools. We can have the teachers. Teachers are terrified. Look at her, the, the, her report on schools of fear. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell I you. I saw it, yeah. I can't tell you how many teachers are terrified to go to school. I, I, I have a good friend who just left East Battery's Parish School System, was a, was a coach and a middle school teacher. And he would record things on his phone and show it to me, and it blew my mind. Things like what? F you. Oh, yeah. Mother F this. Yeah. Talking to him, people talking to him, or just back Oh, yeah. Forth. Yeah. No, you, no, nothing you can do about it. And that, is, that perpetuates itself. How can you possibly have a classroom where there is any form of control or, or anything remotely close to learning when you're in an environment like that? And it's and it's a, and it's a it's not the majority of the students. It's, you know, it's a, it's a relative few um, students in color and and income have nothing to do with that. Um, but you have to be able to identify and deal with those problems. And just that's, to reiterate, that, that's you just what, said this is not about income and race. Well, it never has right. been. So and and I agree with you because I think a child in the right environment with the right support and the right real discipline around them right. can learn no, regardless no, of color or where no the child, child comes from. There's no doubt. So that, that is so interesting. So let's, let's stay on this line because that's been a big subject of conversation and we'll get to some of the financial parts of this and kind of extend it out because I do want to talk about the inner classroom thing. The biggest issue, I believe getting people to pull their kids out of the EBR school system. And by the way, there are, Black parents and white parents who are putting their kids in private school or who are moving to Ascension Parish or Livingston Parish or moving to Zachary or moving into Central. There are stories about people who are who've gotten a second job just to pay for private school tuition. That's that's the norm. Yeah. So the number one thing that I have heard from parents at forums, at different events, is not so much about the quality of the learning in the classroom. That is on the list. But the first thing is safety. Right. There's no doubt. And you, you give the principals the ability to manage their school and run their school and hold the children there accountable. And the percentage of the, of the kids 
causing the problems is not that large. It's not, but when you don't deal with it, right. it grows. If you see somebody else do it, then, well, then I can do it too. And if you see, you know, you see a student act this way, well, if, if he can do that, why can't I do that? And there's absolutely no control. I mean, classrooms of fear, it was an appropriate title um, to her series. And, you know, the, the questions that she asked, they would run from them. They wouldn't answer it. We're asking not to run from it. We want to deal with it and deal with it head on. But the only way that we can do that is by creating an independent school system, a school system outside of East Baton Rouge Parish School, what, but and Lionel, modeled after school sure. systems that work. But, Lionel, what about people who say you can deal with it by being more involved? Because <laughs> that's the thing that, that gets thrown at you a whole lot, right? It's like people who say, you have to be more involved. Now, I don't always know what even what even that first, means. First of all, but, what, but what does that mean? I, I mean how much I'm, longer should you? My, here's my question, Clay. Yeah, yeah. How much longer do you wait? Another decade? Two more decades? That's the, you know that's you hear. Well, we, we just need more time, and we just need more money. You spend more money than anybody else. No, money state. is certainly not the answer. But they'll say that as well, and they say well, we just need more time. And my question is. My response is, time's up. You know, you, you, you've had enough time to try to get this right. We've gone through enough superintendents. How many more decades do you, how many more generations of children? Because if you don't get them and affect them by third grade, you've lost them. Yeah. So how much longer do you want to wait? How many more children will you sacrifice at the, the altar of mediocrity or to, to keep your friends employed? And, and to keep the status quo in place. How much longer should you wait? Because we've got a plan that we think will work. What's the plan? I would visit St. George, Louisiana.com. Uh, well, I mean, that's the plan. I mean, it's, 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 no, no, no. no. I, mean, no I, I mean, I get that that's the plan, Rainey. I'm, I mean, let's talk about the plan. Specifically, how will the St. George schools be different? That's what I mean. Well, the first get thing. Huffy with me. The, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, Clay, the, the, the obvious difference is going to be the, abil the ability to not have to deal with the, the bureaucracies within East Baton Rouge Perry School System. Yeah. That's the, that's the obvious. That's to begin with. And then you've got a smaller, more effective, more efficient school system in which you can identify where the issues are and where the problems are, and you can and you can deal with it. Right now, if you've got a problem in East Baton Rouge Perry School System, that teacher writes it up to the principal. That principal sends it to the central office. It could bounce around the central office for six weeks, and then it could come back to the principal two months later, and then it could come back to the teacher. So you you support the teachers, you support the principals, you support the schools, and then you start to do things that that can that help the children. You know things like. You know, maybe, it's, Clay, there's, a, there's an alternative path for children who aren't going to go to college. Maybe you can engage some of the industries mm -hmm. that are within this area and start vocational programs. Which we don't have much of that at all anymore, do right. we? Remember, you know, the, the uh, what do we call them in high school years ago, uh, man? Though, uh, you know, there was vocational, you know, it's been a long time, you can tell. But, you know, you, you did woodworking. You worked with the saw. You, you learned how to weld. You God, learned I don't know if you, you know, people would freak out now if you, if you had if you had students trying to, to know, use man. power tools, but some, you, you can some of these kids you don't want to have drills in the same building with them though. You right? know, but I mean, just the, the, 
it, it goes from the the little things, Clay, to to the to the big, and yeah. it's and, and you model it after school systems at work. You know, independent school districts across the country are working, and the reason they work is because you you're not having to deal with this behemoth yeah. that has grown so large that no one can control it. Let's let's think about this, and this is something that I think is a reality. But I don't think the word fault factors into what I'm about to say. So and so it's fault because we're really big into that. I'm more into reality. We talk solutions, yes. not fault. Isn't it the case that the city of St. George, if it indeed does happen, is less likely to have the troubles of what would be left as the EBR school system? Because in the geographical area where St. George would be, there are more mothers and fathers involved with their children. There are more parents around kids as opposed to some uh, parts of the inner city where it's mostly single parents or, or grandmothers or grandparents raising kids. Again, I'm not making this as it's one person's fault or the other. We're talking about reality. And you can take school out of the equation. You can put a lot of things in there. But one of the reasons it's going to be different, like in Zachary, like in Central, is because of the higher percentage of parents who are working together in the lives of their children. What do you think about that? I think that the, the number, the best way, the best chance a child gets is by having a mother and father who care. Mm-hmm. And let's not get into a, a socioeconomic discussion about, 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 about what, what is good for society. And no, what no, is no, not. no. I'm not doing that. I mean, um, that's a, that's, that's, I, look, that's, I mean, that's a, a but, bleeding heart argument to make. But, you, I think but it's, you, not, it's not necessarily a bleeding heart argument because, I mean, that's. It just, I, mean, I think it's a reality. It is a reality. And so one of the reasons why the areas are so different is because of the reality of who lives in the area. Right. To to a to a degree, I mean, I, I guess, but I, I don't. I think any child has the ability to come to school. I don't think a, a child's uh, race, creed. Not, I don't I'm not, think I'm not any, even talking about any that. Of I that never said de- anything I about any race. Of that, I don't or or I don't think any of that determines if a child is going to be successful or not. I think a child has a better chance at life in general when they have. Two parents who care. who care for them. Absolutely, there's no doubt about that. But if you, you know, I've heard that argument. Why should you do this? Because you can't help everybody. No, I didn't make that argument because I don't believe in that right. argument. Well, I don't believe all, I personally all, have the, the right. To, that, that's the argument well, that's, that's being made because well, you sure. can't you can't help everybody. Yeah, so if no. you wait, if you if you wait to help anybody until you can help everybody, yeah, you're not going to help anybody. Well, let me just state for the record that I don't believe I've got the right. Me personally, Clay Young, I don't have the right to tell a parent what is or isn't good for their child. Right. Obviously, in the case of some some kind of abuse. You don't do that. Right. But if a parent thinks this is the best option for my kid, who am I to tell them not to do that? That's right. I guess the point, I guess where I was going was we are missing something that's much larger and totally different than what you're doing. It is the fact that two fewer children now have the support system around them. 
And I think that's something that we're going to have to deal with. And whether St. George happens or not, that reality in the inner city ain't going to change. It doesn't go away. What I, what I, here's what I think could happen with East Baton Rouge Perry school systems is obviously it would get smaller. Sure. And you have a new superintendent that comes in, and maybe it affords you at that point the opportunity to start doing some things differently that you maybe couldn't or didn't have the opportunity to do because of the overarching size of your system. So the smaller your system gets, the, obviously the more nimble your system gets, and you can be able to address issues. But, you know, Superintendent Drake's got some serious problems sure. he's got to address on day one, and that's going to be cleaning out that central office. And whether or not he can even get that done is another point entirely. Well, I know that that is his intention. I've, I've sat with him on a few occasions, and I know that the, his intention is to make certain that the kids have the best tools possible so that they can learn or take, it, take advantage of learning. I, I hope that people – I hope that other mm-hmm. school systems that are in trouble see what we do, and it gives them the belief that they can do it too. Yeah. And that it spreads like wildfire. Yeah. Because re- this is not just a problem that is unique to Baton Rouge or even Louisiana. You know, mm-hmm. we've, I've personally fielded calls. Problem being? Public education. Yeah. It's, or wanting better for your children. You because know, it can work. Unique. It's working in Zachary. It's, it's working it's, in Ascension. It's working in Texas. Yeah. It's, it's working in other places yeah. ac- across the country. Yeah. And so, but you're sort of in the belly of the beast so to speak, when you get to education reform, when you look at where we are. And, you know, one of the things that I will say about you, and we'll move on to this other thing, is that, you know, when people talk about asking you questions, you've never not answered or come to talk to me when I wanted to speak with you in in this new medium, but even before when I was, you know, doing radio and the whole thing, having the discussion. And like I told people the last time, I mean, obviously, we've known each other a while, but you don't run from anything. Well, you know, Clay, these guys, and and I've, I had the privilege to serve as their spokesperson. And what I can tell you is that these men and women don't have anything to hide. And their story has never changed. And that cannot, factually is not what has happened with the opposition. Their story changes at the drop of a dime. Give me an example. The first talking point against St. George was you're going to have so much money, you're going to break the parish. You're going to destroy the parish. Uh, Councilman Delgado would do would sue us with his bare hands to keep the parish together because we are so rich we're going to break the parish. They found out that that didn't necessarily move the needle. They run some polls, and they say, okay, well, what if we tell them that they don't have any money and taxes are going to go up? Let's see what happens then. So that's their cry now is you can't do it. You're so, you're so yeah. dirt poor. Yeah. That, that you can't run a city, you, 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 you don't have the, the income, so taxes are going to go up. So, I mean, those are two distinct, distinctly different talking points. Yeah. And you can't, you can't have it both ways. Well, let's deal with that one. We talked about it a little bit the last time you were here. And, um, and, and so just give me, take me through the logic, okay? Obviously, this is a podcast, so we can't put a graphic up on the screen, but take me through the logic. If I live in what would be the city of St. George mm-hmm. and I am a home owner, a tax payer, how can you convince me? And maybe convince isn't the word. How can you assure me that I'm not going to see my taxes go up? Because there's no logical explanation as to why your taxes should go up. 
And what we will be able to have, and I guess we will probably be doing this again in about, I don't know, three weeks. Okay. Since we, since the charge came out that we, this is going to raise taxes. Right. Um, we have engaged with a, uh, a national firm and we've asked them to put, to, to be able to, uh, to put their stamp and to show people that the, the inaccuracies within the Falkenwinkler report, which mm-hmm. was paid for by our opposition, if not paid for, they may have done it for free, um, but they were engaged by our opposition um, to do a report uh, to highlight that there is no reason whatsoever that taxes should go up. If you, if you look at the, the revenue that they have and the expenses of the city, there is absolutely no reason that taxes should go up unless you operate in the manner that Baton Rouge operates. If you run a city the way Baton Rouge runs their city governance, your taxes probably go through the roof. How so? But the, because they've got more employees than virtually every other city in the country. It's, it is an industrial age model uh, of how to of how to run a city. So, you, so what we, you're so saying? We, we based ours off yeah. of, of 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 city models like Sandy Springs, Georgia. That, okay. And 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 also just go. We'll go look at Central. I think they're coming up on their ten year. So what you're basically saying though is instead of hiring people to staff departments, you would privatize those departments. Our goal will be to have yeah. less than fifteen employees. Okay. Within the city government. And then hire private firms to say handle public works. Right. Uh, what about police? We, you already have a. You already pay for a police. You pay the for sheriff's, sheriff's department. So the sheriff's office would serve St. George. They already do. Well, yeah, they do now because it's unincorporated. Right. But once you become a city, are you not required to have we're a not, city police not, department? You're required to have a chief of police, so it'll be one individual. Okay. But it's kind know, of what we, Central is doing, right? They've got a couple is. of police officers there. They, uh, yeah, they do. We will have one. Okay. Uh, and that person will be a liaison uh, with with the sheriff's department. What we've also looked at is is supplementing the sheriff's department. You're going to build some other facility out We're, there for we, They will use it to the best of their knowledge, and that sort. And that's the role that our police chief would play in that, in that liaison. But okay. I mean, imagine what uh, imagine what the sheriff could do with two million additional dollars in this yeah. area. They could build another facility. They can put more boots on the ground. They can go look at the problem areas where the, the highest crime areas and actually uh, address them and do something about it. So you don't have to be irresponsible with the taxpayers' dollars and go create a billion-dollar uh, entity within the police department and then have unsustainable debt. And that's the problem, you know, with, with that with the type of – if you look at the city of Baton Rouge per capita, they're in the top 30 nationwide of public employees versus residents. That's non-sustainable. Cities are going bankrupt across the country because of that. To give you an example, Detroit's ranked in the, in the low 60s. Yeah. So that, that model of governance cannot continue to sustain itself. That's why city after city after city across this country are going bankrupt. Sure. That's why we're in pro- it's the problem we have you know, with our national deficit. You have to take a, a, a look at it and say, how can this be done more effectively and more efficiently? And when you competitively contract out these services, you're going to save about 40% on day one. But in addition to that, what you're going to do is you're going to have somebody who can be held accountable. Go try to fire a city employee. See how difficult that is. But if you've contracted out with a company that's handling a portion of your public works and they're not doing their job, they're under contract, they're gone. And there are companies, there are 
because this is this idea, it's not unique to us. And we've, we've looked, we're looking at other cities which are doing this. To let you know, Sandy Springs, Georgia, outside of Atlanta, who did this. Since they did it, six other cities surrounding Sandy Springs have incorporated. And I think Central's coming up on their 10-year anniversary. Yeah, yeah. They've got a $20 million surplus. I mean, so you, the the people have to understand. And it's growing. Of course it by is. By leaps and bounds. Well, I mean, yeah. East Baton Rouge Parish is the, or the school system, East Baton Rouge Parish school system is the economic engine for Central, Zachary, Ascension Parish, and Livingston Parish. I mean, Middle Meaning income, that it's driving people. Middle there. income families are fleeing at a breakneck pace. And you know, University of Wisconsin did that study, which you can find on our website, not us. And it's got nothing to do with color. Actually, per capita, black families are outpacing white families and in moving into Ascension and Livingston. It's got nothing to do with color of your skin. It has to do with your means to leave. And you've got a lot of people who don't have the means to leave. You know, I, I can tell that that you are sensitive to the to the the name calling that has happened call you know it's there's been a lot of racial terms thrown around you know in our conversation outside of making an observation about some of the socioeconomic realities that just are real I really didn't lean heavily on that but it kind of comes up and I hear it it comes up with you almost in in a subconscious defensive tone about the race issue. And I'm not, I don't want to spend a lot of time on that because I do want to get, I have a couple questions based on what you just said, but just tell me when it, that comes up so much, just talk to me about that issue, the elephant in the room. The magical uni- unicorn is really what it is because it's just not real. And what <clears throat> that's a, it's, it's a lazy uh, and a coward, it's a cowardly talking point because there's no factual um, uh, evidence to support it. So what? But what you can do is sexy. What was the story it's, recently? It's, it's with sexy, somebody right? Here. You can say uh, you know racist, segregist. Oh, and, but wasn't there a what was the story recently here? Um, and it eludes me now. Uh, there was a story recently here that you had to deal with and say this is not reflective of the movement or or what was that with the signatures. I don't know. I thought there was something here recently. It'll come to me. But yeah, when you think about what the city would become, okay, and and it's similar to Central, like you said, that's about 10 years ago now. What's the timeline to get it up and running? Because you have to. And before, and and I'll I'll go straight into that. But before, um, you know, I take personal, and I shouldn't, and I know. I know my talking points as a public relations specialist, uh, somebody who does this sure. for a living. You know, this is an unpaid client. <laughs> I've got real clients who pay me money who, who who I advise on ways to deal with issues, and I know what you're supposed to say. But it 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 yeah. To go put ahead. it bluntly, it pisses <laughs> me off. I mean, it really does. And and just because you know, I grew up in. Uh, not to get too deep in it, but my mom. What does? My mom. What does? My, when people accuse this movement of racism yeah. or that race has plays any factor whatsoever, I grew up with a mom who was a social worker, and she would take uh, abused children and abused elderly and get them put in foster homes. So, uh, a vast majority uh, of those were black mm-hmm. uh, individuals. I spent. I grew up going out with her to these foster homes, and and some of the best people I've ever met in my life are some of these foster parents who take in these abused children and yeah. these abused elderly. And the majority of them are black. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I mean, I love them when I go home. I go see them today. They're, you know, my niece, it, it, you know, is uh, 
she's she's of mixed race mm-hmm. um and you know beautiful um a beautiful girl and you know i just it it's just such a lazy yeah. and just such an inact it's, it's so inaccurate but in every race car that's been that that it, I think I've seen the whole deck of race cards when it comes to St. George. And so when, I, when, when somebody says that, what that says to me is you intellectually cannot argue your point of view anymore. And so you just by default say, well, you're racist. Now we can talk about timeline. So here's the yeah. timeline yeah. that I see with this. We have less than 60 days sure. to get the remainder of the signatures. Um, I feel confident that we'll get the. How close are you? We're close. Um, I, I, we are under fifteen hundred with a cushion. Um, so having a because we're going to have to get above and beyond what we need because you're going to have ones that are thrown out and we know that. We think that we will get the number that we need and an excess to make sure that that any get thrown out that's covered <clears throat> within the next close to now fifty days. As soon as that happens, um, the, the the governor at that point will will call for an election. Before he calls for that election, we anticipate a lawsuit based on what they've told us to stop it. Oh, no, there's going to be a lawsuit. Okay, so stop and think about that for a second. People who have followed the law and have gone out of their way, signed a petition, literally followed every step of the law, to bring forth a vote, which I think is is almost the definition of democracy, right? You're, you're petitioning your government to put a, 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 a measure on a ballot and then mm-hmm. vote on it. They're going to sue with their own tax dollars. They're going to sue to stop that from happening. The unfortunate side effect of this is the negative light that's going to be cast on the city of Baton Rouge because the city of Baton Rouge is going to be the people who are suing to stop you from being able to vote. What if the makeup of that council changed? What if the demographics of the Metro Council changed and it and it looked like something that's different than it is, and maybe... What the hell do you mean? Well, I mean, what, what do you think I mean, Clay? What if it, I don't what, know what you what, mean. What, what if it I'm changed? Take, take, any, take anything that you, that you hold dear. Sure. And if, what if you the mean Metro... racially, gender-wise? Anything. And, and, and the Metro Council changed to be opposed to that. Okay. And they didn't like what you had to say. I follow you now. And then they said, you know what? We're going to stop your right to vote. Yeah. Which many people... I mean, people would die for that. You know, that, I mean, our form of democracy, you know, people give their lives so that we can go out and, and, and cast a vote. Sure. But they can stop that because they don't like it, because they don't like what it says. I mean, so you think that that's not going to cast a negative light on Bat- Baton Rouge is going to be the city that's going to prevent legal citizens from try to from being able to vote? Listen, it's, it's pretty clear that the ultimate arbiter of whether this happens or not should be the people. There's no, I, and if I, they I, if they vote yeah. it down, yeah, that's <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, but the people deserve to yeah. have their voice heard. Yeah. They ha- they deserve to have the right to determine their future. I always believe that that as long as the people are are getting to decide, it's legal, it's above board, and the people are voting. Stop. That's yeah. what they want to prevent. Yeah, that's what they want to stop from happening. I don't understand. I don't know how much clearer I can make that. We want the people to choose, vote up or down, yes or no, and we will. And we will. We will go with whatever you say. If you want to try this, and you know, it, our opposition, it, what's their alternative? We're better together. Give me a break. You're better with our tax dollars. 
you're better taking advantage of us. I mean, who's better? I mean, it's like the emperor with no clothes. Yeah. I mean, who are you kidding? You know, you, you, and you talk to these people like they're idiots. You know, you, 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 you berate them and you make fun of them. And, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. You're just a working class person. I know better. We know better than you. We, we'll determine what's better for you. Don't you dare think for yourself. Okay. You know, it, it fires me up, and it fires a lot of people up. And that's why they don't want it to go to a vote. John Delgado has agreed to debate you. We just have to work out the particulars of the debate. What do you think about that? Can't wait. I, I, I hope he comes with an apology. I'm pretty excited about I'm sorry, what? I hope he comes with an apology. About the uh, Taliban comment? No doubt. I mean, how can, how can you even take somebody seriously who makes comments like that? Have you guys been in the same room in a forum like this before? And not in a forum like this. I mean, okay. I've seen him around. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm cordial to him. I mean, we're not, we're not like enemies. This is know? going to be good. Yeah. I'm having fun with this podcast thing. I got to tell you that, right? I'll come with fact and logic. So, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure I've got that on my side. And so that is a, that is a very clever shot to say. That's what I'm going to come with. Okay. I'm yeah. not, not going to come with rhetoric and slurs. So you got to pay attention to Rainey. I mean, he's smart. He knows his stuff. Uh, how many calories do you think you burned sitting here in the last 50 minutes? Uh, I'm sweating. <laughs> so I'm furious. I, I thought you, I, I, I see you back there with your hand on this, on the knob. It started off like 68 degrees in here. And, and, and now I'm sweating, you know, like behind my knees. So I'm pretty sure you've got the That's the heat of up. the podcast, man. That's what that is. How can people find out more about uh, some of the stuff you talked about? Where can they go see your several, numbers? Several ways. Go to stgeorgelouisiana.com. That's our website. Dig yeah. through it. There's more data there than you can, can probably ever read. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, at St. George Inc., Mm-hmm. And and then we're wide open on Facebook, and unlike our opposition, we don't delete you if you come onto our page and have a different viewpoint. Just go to Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash S-E-B-R schools, like Southeast Baton Rouge schools with an S, or just Google St. George or search St. George when you get into Facebook, and you'll find us. And if you ask us a question, we'll answer it. Even if you don't like us or, you know, you're against us, we'll, we'll engage with you and we'll, if you have a specific question, we'll give you a specific answer and, you know, you'll be able to hear from supporters and uh, opponents. We don't filter that, you know, like our opponents do. I can't even go on to our opponents' Facebook page. I've been banned from it. And all I do you, was, you've been all, banned all from it. All I do it. is ask a question. <laughs> I, you know, the residents against the breakaway and I, I just ask a question. I was like, how, how, I was like, we're not breaking away. How can we break away when we're not a part of Baton Rouge and... Banned, banned, banned. You got banned? God forbid you come here and ask a legitimate question. But, yeah, so people can come onto the page, and, uh, and we'll, we'll engage them if you're a friend or uh, if, if you don't like, you don't think what we're doing is a good idea. And I hope the next time I see you sitting in this room, it will be with John Delgado sitting over there, and we will have a conversation about everything. And I, basically, I will be your Mills Lane. That's great. No, but no, Mills, Mills Lanes was in the, he was in the ring when uh, Tyson bit Holyfield's ear. So none of that, okay? <laughs> oh, okay unless you really want to. <laughs> Lionel Rainey, thank you, brother. I will say this, and I said this in the other show, and I'll vouch for this. People may disagree with you or may not like what you're saying, but you're not a racist. I've known you for a long time, and I, I, I 
you, that's, you're just not that guy. It's, that's a lazy person's argument. Lionel Rainey, the spokesperson for the city of St. George, back to wrap things up in just a minute here on podcast225.com and on iTunes. It's the Clay Young Show. This time of the year is great for our family. It's getting warmer, so there are more things to do outside. We love watching our kids play in the yard. What we don't like is having to treat our kids for fire ant or mosquito bites. My husband doesn't like waiting around, so he goes to Pest Stop. At Pest Stop, we can get the same stuff the pros use, and our home, our yard, and gardens are good to go. That means no ants, no mosquitoes, no termites, no spiders, and no regrets. We save time and money, and we don't have to go to the big box stores. Do what we do. Treat your home, yourself, with the products at Pest Stop. You won't regret it. Here's Pest Stop founder John Conroy to tell you where you can find one of the stores. Well, at Metairie, we're at 3512 Severn Avenue next to the Pepper Mill. On the North Shore, we're at 1417 North Highway 190. That's in the same shopping center as Sherwin-Williams. On the West Bank, we're on La Palco just past the Harvey Bridge. And in Baton Rouge, we're at 806 O'Neill Lane. Welcome back to the Clay Young Show. How about that for intense, huh? Great conversation with Lionel Rainey. Man, we covered a lot of ground in our conversation. You know, Lionel is one of those guys that is not afraid to answer questions. He's not afraid to mix it up. I love challenging people and hearing what they think because that's the best part of an interview, being able to hear someone's real, unvarnished thoughts. And I think interviews should sometimes be intense and sometimes get testy and challenging from one side to the other. And there was certainly a little bit of that in our conversation. And again, he got a chance to say what he really thinks. And I'm looking forward to getting Councilman Delgado, who sits on the East Baton Rouge Parish Metro Council, on with Lionel Rainey. And I think we'll probably try to get someone on from Together Baton Rouge or Better Together to argue their side of this as well. But man, that was really good. It was fun, too. I enjoy those heated exchanges. I really do. I don't think you I think you can't be afraid if you're interviewing someone to ask questions that could be either uncomfortable or might be stiff or however you want to call it. It's the best part of doing it. So there it is. The Clay Young Show here on podcast 225.com. A heads up about what's coming up next week. We are working on the debate. That will probably happen next week. We're going to talk about some bills that will be in the legislature with a gentleman who is planning on some fireworks. More details are still to come. Hey, guys, enjoy the rest of your day wherever you are. Hopefully we brightened it up a little bit or gave you just a little bit of a departure from whatever you're doing. Or you took us with you as you worked in your lawn or worked in the office or were on the job or driving in traffic. That is what we are here for. And I appreciate every bit of feedback that you guys are giving me. It means a whole lot. Again, we're on Twitter at ClayYoungBR and on Facebook. And this show is free on iTunes. Just search it out, hit the subscribe button, and it pops into your podcast box. We'll work on getting it on Google Plus as well for non-iPhone users. So there you have it. The Clay Young Show on Podcast225.com. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.